bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. This is Birds 365, and we will uh, rock some football inside for you for the next two hours right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I'm Jody McDonald. That makes him John McMullen, since it's a Mac and Mac Birds 365 every day. Johnny Mac, the leaking has begun. I got to manufacture energy, Jody. I'm excited. Schedule. Logistics. Let's go. Uh, well, be thankful you're not going to Europe this year, right? Because sure. that is the first of the leaks, other than Mama Kelsey, and we'll get to her in a second. <laughs> um, the NFL let everyone know that they were going to run down their list of international games, five this year, three in England, two in Germany. The Chiefs will be playing in one of them. The Eagles will be playing in none of them. Um, which means John McMullen doesn't have to worry about. I guess it would be considered a one o'clock game over there. The the nine thirty games count even better for you if you're Mister. Yeah, Give me Sunday mind, at one. I don't mind the the early morning games. Yeah, I don't, that doesn't bother me. I'm up freaking at five o'clock anyway, so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> okay, so um, you, you just don't like it when the sun's down. Uh, exactly. Early morning's exactly. perfectly fine with John McMullen. Uh, Eagles not a international game, which means they may, may very well be an international game next week because the NFL wants to, uh, next year, excuse me, they want to put their best foot forward and the Eagles are one of their best feet uh, with the team that they have right now and, and going forward, Jalen Hurts is a marquee quarterback and a star, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one year from now, you and I might be talking about you having to get your passport stamped to go over. Yeah, you got to get birds. it updated. Yeah. I mean, it's once every eight years mandatory. I, I know uh, everything runs together. The last time they were in London, um, it was against Jacksonville. I was going to say, uh, then there's the Jacksonville Jaguars who go every year because uh, the, the yeah, NFL asks and they say, yeah, better than playing in front of a half-fold stadium down here in Jacksonville. So, yeah, we'll take the Jack to go. Maybe that changed because Jacksonville's getting good with Trevor Lawrence. So maybe that changes. But I think it's more to do with the stadium. It was Ben Fisher who's sort of a, 
uh, not sort of, he's a business reporter. So, you know, one of those uh, sports business places. And uh, he had mentioned Buffalo and Tennessee have games over there. And it's interesting. They're both in the midst of getting new stadiums and getting deals. And teams getting new stadiums or working towards new stadiums tend to be more willing to give up games than when the new stadiums are in place. Then they don't want to give them up at all. Of course. Um, so that was an interesting thought that I, that I hadn't, you know, mulled over. So I, I give him credit for that. Um, and that turned out to be true, but yeah, no updating the passport. That's, uh, you know, maybe some people want a nice vacation, uh, over there, but, uh, I, I, I think it only helps the team. You know, I think those games are a pain in the, you know, what for the teams, to be honest. So. I was going to say, I wouldn't uh, be upset I, if I'm an Eagles fan. I was going to say, how do they help the teams? It, it, it may, may, maybe I misheard you. Um, do you think actually playing in you over in Europe is a good thing? I think no, it's just it's a bad thing. Over. Yeah, I I said they're more willing to give up games because remember you're giving up a game uh, now if you're the road team, but when you give up a home team a home game, yeah, that's you know significant revenue. Uh, from uh, the standpoint of, you know, there's not a lot of these things. And once the teams that are in the midst of getting new stadiums, they don't have them yet. When there's a financial windfall, they're a little bit more willing to to deal with it than the teams that got the brand new palaces. They don't want to give up a game, especially when they're when they're just open. That was his only point. Gotcha. All right. So we know the Eagles aren't going to London, but apparently, or Germany, they're going to Kansas City week two. Mama Kelsey, the mother of both Travis and uh, uh, our boy Jason here in town, uh, I guess on Facebook, someone gave her information as to when the Chiefs, and we knew ahead of time Chiefs were going to be one of the teams playing in Germany this year, but she leaked out when the Chiefs were going abroad. And, oh, by the way, yeah, week two will be when my two sons are facing off again, and I got to break out my green slash red jersey uh, with Kelsey on the front and Kelsey on the back. So uh, we had been speculating pretty healthy. Uh, speculation at that, that the Chiefs and the Eagles could very well be that opening Thursday night game. Uh, if Mama Kelsey's info is good, it's not going to be week one. It's going to be week two, which Johnny Mack means advantage Chiefs. And I know it's a minimal advantage. I'm not making this out as something the Eagles need to go slamming Roger Goodell's door about. What do you, why, why would you do it? Why would you screw us like this? But Week one, the Chiefs will come into the rematch with three extra days rest over the Eagles. Now, it's after the preseason, and there's that built-in week between the end of the preseason and the start of the NFL. So I don't think the Eagles' tongues will be wagging when they get the Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. But you take every little piece of advantage you can get, right? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that, that's the thing about the NFL schedule. People are going to pick it apart and you know, up and down, left and right, to look under rocks and try to find these things, and then the games are going to show up, and it's going to just be who's the best team on that particular day. But 
Yeah, I mean, if you have a couple extra days, I, I I thought it was weird that you know why week two for a game like yeah. that if you're not going to exactly. go, if you're not going to go the opener, I mean, save it for a more meaningful spot. But uh, I mean, we'll see if it's right. Number one, I mean, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. They could be finagling it, changing it to the last minute. Who who knows? But um. Yeah, I, I when I saw that, but my was week two. That was my first thought. I I thought, well, that's kind of a high profile game to throw in week two. I I, I don't I don't know, but that Did, was that was my first thought. Didn't make sense to me. And even if the Chiefs weren't playing the Thursday night game, which again, until they officially announce, it's not officially announced. Um, there was one year, John. Help me out here if you remember. Wasn't there one year that the defending Super Bowl champion didn't play in the Sunday night game? Uh, didn't play in the Thursday night game mm. on NBC. I'm thinking Sunday night because I'm yeah, thinking po- NBC. Possibly. I mean, that stuff, that's sort of like to the ether with Ruben with me. I mean, I forget it as soon as you it forget, happens. Yes. It, would, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. It's interesting, though, because if it's going to be the Chiefs, right? Well, they leaked out one other game this morning, and that's Chiefs-Bengals. On, oh, on yeah, we're gonna have three te- three seventeenths of the Chiefs schedule yeah. before they leak it out in Moss tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, well, that's what happens when you're the Super Bowl champions. People I mean, that's know the, what the hell you're doing. That's the AFC champions rematch, and that's off the table, right? Right. So you have the Super Bowl rematch is off the table in theory. Officially, the AFC championship rematch is off the table. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill coming back to Kansas City is off the table because that's right. a, 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 a international game. An international game. Maybe the Chiefs. I don't know. Maybe the Chiefs aren't going to be on Thursday night. I, I, I don't know. Those are. Is there another one I'm missing from the Chiefs' standpoint that uh, would be worthy? I mean, you got the Super Bowl champs, uh, the Super Bowl rematch. You got the AFC Championship rematch. They're out the window if we're to believe Donna Kelsey. Confirmed Cincinnati's out the window. I don't know. Raiders, because it's a longstanding rivalry, hey, that doesn't have the cachet of the other ones that you, you're running down as possibilities. I would think you'd go more high-profile. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And if, uh, again, Mama Kelsey's got the right info, <clears throat> I'm surprised. I really thought. And we had fun with it. I, I asked Jeff Curran. I asked a couple guests last week. I asked it on my uh, WIP show on Monday night. Eagle fans, who would you like to see the Eagles open up against? And the Arizona Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon won, even over the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> which would certainly be a bigger marquee game. But maybe I think along the same line Eagle fans do. I, I want to do what's best for the eventual ending record of the season. I'm not going to sweat uh, the national spotlight or uh, having it uh, the Eagles uh, name on the lips of fans. Of course, I shouldn't care. Most importantly is how are you going to get to the end of this regular season? What's the easiest way? What's the best way to get there? And yeah, I thought uh, taking a layup against the Cardinals week number one would be the best way to uh, get there. Uh, I, I, maybe that's the game that the Eagles are going to get now. Cause I really did believe, even though I said I would prefer to, them to play the Cardinals, 
I thought it was going to be Chiefs. I thought it just made too much sense. You don't get too many chances at a Super Bowl rematch because they're interleague games and they doesn't always match up. You can't control it because the schedule's already in place. It kind of fell into the NFL's laps to be able to do it week number one this year, and apparently they've taken a pass on it. Yeah, I was just looking at the Chiefs' opponents. I mean, so, you know, Miami's out. Philadelphia, in theory, is out. Cincinnati's officially out. Miami's officially out as well. Um, Buffalo is on their schedule again. again. Yeah, I mean, are we going to go down that route again? Uh, Maybe, maybe. Allen Allen against Mahomes is not a bad matchup anyway. You slice it, Uh, even if – We've already seen a couple iterations of it. That could very well be the opening game again this year. So uh, we'll have to see. Um, So, yeah, uh, the Eagles are supposed to be announced. And again, there'll be more leaking today on some of the NFL TV properties. uh, CBS's morning show, NBC's morning show, Fox's morning show. um, But there'll be specialized games that are going to come out. Uh, and the Eagles should be in that conversation with any other team in the National Football League. I, yeah, they've been uh, dodging some bullets. I think uh, uh, Black Friday's looking more and more likely. Eagles, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock down Black Friday almost guarantee. Uh, yeah, and and how sense. is? I don't know if you know the answer to this. I don't. Um, how is Amazon going to announce that? Because everything I've uh, seen reported says that Amazon will announce when the Black Friday game is going to be, uh, who's going to be playing in it. Well, we know when it's going to be Black Friday. Joe, pay attention. Uh, so we know when the game's going to be. What did you say? It was going to be late afternoon, right? Uh, I think yeah, I think it's late afternoon, but don't uh, hold me to that. Uh, I think they're going to deliver a package to everybody's home. Oh, <laughs> you know, oh okay. <laughs> oh, you're not joking with me because there's a there's an Amazon package on my yeah. front stoop basically every well, day. Well, maybe maybe there'll be an then, advertisement. Oh, guaranteed to be a package every single. We're within a month of Christmas. Of course, there's going to be a package on a McDonald's. Maybe uh, there'll there'll be an advertisement to the next uh, say, oh, Black Friday game, Eagles. Giants, there you go. Don't know if that's going to be the case, but supposedly Amazon is going to announce it. And yes, we think there's a very good chance the Eagles are that one. Um, you would said, I think you tweeted, and then you said it here on Birds 365 either yesterday, the day before. Uh, Eagles, the maximum number of primetime games you can play is six, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. I would they consider Black Friday a primetime game? Not if they're playing prime time it's supposed to be designated by the time that it's no it's a standalone game game. is that considered prime time i don't know a hundred percent but i i don't think so they might you know they change the rules all the time i mean one of the things is um you know for years you would know all right nfc box afc cbs whatever that's out the window um Everything's out the window because the networks want them out the window. So maybe because it is, that's a good point. I'll uh, ask Brian McCarthy that today. Is that considered uh, a primetime game because it's standalone? Maybe maybe they'll change the phrasing to standalone games. Right. I, I don't know. But you know what else? I don't know if they could do that, Jody, because <clears throat> excuse me, there's three Monday night doubleheaders this year. Three, three, three. 
Um, and I think those are going to be the staggered starts, which I think are dumb. So they're technically not standalone games. Um, so yeah, I, I think primetime means, means primetime. Um, and ultimately the Eagles will see plenty of primetime. Another rule change Thursday night. It used to be every team had to take right. their turn. No more because, uh, they don't want the crappy teams on Thursday night. So if you're a good team, you're probably going to get two Thursday nights. Um, a lot of changes. That that hasn't been made official yet, but I remember Jeff Lurie just basically dropping that one when they had the owners meetings <laughs> earlier this year uh, because they floated the uh, uh, being able to control Thursday night games out there in the owners meetings that they would give them some flex possibilities late in the season and uh, the, uh, there's a segment of the owners that weren't having any of that. So they felt they needed to throw Amazon some kind of a bone. So it looks like it's going to be yeah, good teams could be asked to play twice and the really bad teams, Jonathan Gannon. Oh, the, uh, the rule is official, Jody. You, you can, you, you, you not, no guarantee, but teams can play two, two right. times on. So obviously we don't know which teams that will be yet, but that right. part of it is locked down. That's the limit now. So some teams are not going to play on on Thursday night, and we'll see. I mean, from the obvious standpoint, the bad teams. They don't want the bad teams, but we'll see how it shakes out. And that, that'll say something about your team before the year starts. Here in Philadelphia, I don't think Eagle fans have to worry about that. You more need to worry about you'll be selected as one of the teams that will play twice than not playing at all, but yeah, when you get that schedule, if you go down it and you got no Thursday night games, you can realize, oh, shoot, this is what they think of our team coming into the season. They didn't even want to squeeze us into Thursday nights. All right, we will squeeze Mike Gill into Birds 365, our usual Wednesday hang with Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN Radio, the sports bash down the shore. Mr. Gill is next here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan McDonald, you're Mac and Mac Birds 365. Guys, we've got our weekly Wednesday spot with our pal Mike Gill from Down the Shore 97.3 ESPN Radio, the host of the Sports Bash, which uh, he sucks in John McMullen to come on his show all the time to uh, share the same things that he shares here on Birds 365, but most of the times we get them first. Depends on when news breaks. Uh, breaking news today, Mikey, is going to be. Eagles schedule, Mrs. Kelsey leaked a potential game yesterday that the Chiefs and the Eagles are going to play number two. Anything else going to get out ahead of tomorrow night's official complete release of the schedule? Well, I did read something yesterday that they're scheduled to be one of the teams to play on Christmas in that triple header. Uh, They're doing a Monday, Christmas Day triple header this year. So I would imagine this will be the last. Or NBA, by the way. Used to be their day. Well, I was just going to say, I would imagine this is the last year for a little while. I don't know. Would the NFL put games on Christmas on a Tuesday or a Wednesday just to do Christmas? Or will this be the last, you know, Christmas scheduling for the NFL until it kind of cycles its way back to at least, you know, Thursday or Friday? So. Amazon's going to release their game. Have they done that yet? Because there's a lot of stuff. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, John said it's going to be done via delivery to everyone's house. It's not actually (laughs) going to be an announcement. I just saw the truck. I just saw the the little truck driving down my street. I might have it on my front. Not little. Oh, Amazon doesn't have little trucks. They got. Well, we're down the shore, Jody. Ours are a little smaller. Down the shore, the truck's a little smaller down here. Really? Uh, (laughs) Um, But yeah, the Amazon game, there's been some speculation that they might be the Black Friday game this year. Uh, that was a Peter King uh, in his Monday morning quarterback, and that's a pretty good uh, source there. And then obviously um, this Christmas thing, which they're going to do three games. It's going to be a Monday. Last year the Eagles played on Christmas Eve. The Sixers played on Christmas Day. This year you might get the Sixers and the Eagles on Christmas Day. And uh, I would imagine, um, you know, if they can get the Eagles on Christmas Day. I was just listening to uh, the uh, 
Marshan Park podcast, and they were talking Andrew about Marshan. Yeah, yeah. The executives are going over the schedule, and they weren't sure it was going to be ready in time. And one of the things is Fox is now. It's not the NFC on Fox and the no. AFC on CBS. There's some packages, but they still get like the Cowboys on Fox a certain amount of times per their contract. The Chiefs are the main draw for CBS, but they said the next tier team is Philadelphia. That's who the, the executives are fighting Ooh. for the most after Dallas right now is, is would be Philadelphia. Because keep in mind, Green Bay doesn't have Rodgers anymore, so they yeah. kind of they lose their national appeal to some extent. Uh, they did mention Pittsburgh is a draw still for the AFC side, but the Eagles are, you know, that four twenty five Fox game. They're still going to be a big pick for Fox there. You would imagine they're going to get six primetime games now. Does Christmas? Um. Thursday, do they count in the prime? Yeah, we were Thursday? we were talking about that uh, because technically the Amazon game shouldn't be prime time, but it's standalone. Yeah, um, but Jody, I, what there's going to be three Monday night uh, sort of double headers, triple header. You mentioned yeah. there, uh, and they're going to be staggered. So do they count? I'm not sure how they count those six games, but. However they count them, Mike, I think they'll hold one or two back because you want to be able to flex uh, for the good teams. You want to be able to flex them in to a to a primetime game late in the season. So yeah, I'm not Monday sure night, going to be. Monday night you can flex now from week 12 to week 17. So you yeah. have the Monday night flex is in play this year. Yeah, yeah. It's a nightmare, uh, that right, schedule. Right. Uh, well, I – I mean, these places that that sell trips, I mean, you're going to be having some problems if you're, you know, hey, we have a trip scheduled for the Eagles to play, you know, whoever on a Sunday afternoon and that game gets flexed to Monday night. I mean, you pay yeah. for that trip in advance. I mean, you know, we all know these uh, outlets that are out there, Philly sports trips and green, you know, they all have these things where you go on and april to pay for that trip and if you get that thing moved it's going to be a nightmare um but yeah. hey the nfl they don't care as much about the fans in attendance as they do the fans who are watching no, television. not even close and it's no, because but, of the the tv pays the bills i yeah. i did the math by the way jody 62 percent of the nfl's revenue Comes from TV rights fees. Sixty percent. If so, anything, I'd say if I'm surprised if you said, "Did you think it would be more or less?" I would actually said more. I would yeah. have thought that it was. Well, I guess the 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 big question is: Is that a sustainable business model with the, the with the way yeah, television? We were talking going. about that earlier this week. You right. And I, I mean, talked about that a lot. Um, it, and here's the thing people don't understand of that 62%. The other revenue is, is fueled by the TV. If you take away the television aspect, you're not selling merchandise. You're not selling tickets. You're not selling out. People don't realize how powerful the television executives are in professional sports. It's not Roger Goodell. I say it all the time. It's not Adam Silver. The most powerful people in sports 
are the TB executives signing? You know, checks? I don't know. Um, so David Sampson, who was the president of the Marlins, he has a podcast. Um, I had him on my show last week because I wanted to try to get a president of a team's perspective on how they view things. And he talked about how in baseball, a lot of these rule changes came because the executives of the television executives wanted the game to be faster. Yeah. It's not that baseball said, we have a problem here. <laughs> no, the TV executives said, your problem is your game's on my screen too long. Move it along. So hence the pitch clock was formed uh, because the TV executives wanted to get the game pace moving faster. Yeah, the tail does wag the dog in a lot of uh, uh, broadcast uh, respects in more sports than just football. But I will say this, and I think John disagreed with me, so we're not going to agree on this today. Um, John Mara, the owner of the Giants, I think is actually a really good owner if you're a New York Giant fan. He doesn't always hire the right coach. He doesn't always hire the right GM. I'm not saying he's an infallible by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he really does care about the Giants and he Giants fans. And he was as outspoken, if not the most outspoken, for the we're not giving flex capability to Amazon because I'm not going to do that to my fans. I'm not going to let my fans just get screwed because Amazon jumps in and says, oh, we got to have this game. And my fans are planning to go on a trip. With a, I really do believe that when he said that. I, I, I have a, a specific amount of respect for John Mara because of that. And mark my words. At some point, now this was in advance, this was speculation that Amazon could get the flex. At some point, there's going to be an owner who says ESPN, because ESPN is going to flex out of their game, and they're going to do it twice, and NBC is going to flex out of their game. And I'm sorry, if, if it keeps happening to you, you're the laughing stock of the NFL. If you're scheduled for a Sunday night game and you're so lousy that teams want out of broadcasting you, broadcast outlets don't want any part of you, yeah, you're getting spit in the face. And they're, they're, there's going to be an owner who's going to stand up and go, hey, I'm bigger than the exec at Amazon. I'm sorry. Screw him. He's not uh, rescheduling my game. We've given don't, away don't, too much of the power. Don't say screw Jeff Bezos. You're liable to end up in a ditch. <laughs> Jeff, well, Jeff Bezos question does. on that, Jody, you know, as you double bird me, I thought um, you <laughs> that was, that was uh, John Mara for ESPN. Yeah. Sorry, the old stone cold double bird. Um, can you have a multiple flex in the same weekend? You know, could Sunday night football flex out of their game and Monday night football flex out of their game? Oh, that's and now what you it's have... scheduled as of right now. Right, but NBC's got got flex right up to the the end of the season. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, like week thirteen, you know, they've got the Bills and Cleveland, and you know, Deshaun Watson's hurt, and they're three and ten, and the Bills are you know struggling along because someone got hurt there, and they're seven and five, and they don't want that game anymore. They get rid of that game, bring in another game, and then Monday Night Football has a similar situations with you know Pittsburgh playing the Chargers, and they're like, well, we don't want this game either. There's only so many games that have compelling matchups at that stage of the season, you know, sometimes because it's there's so much parity. Everybody's seven and four. Everybody's nine and eight. Everybody's eight and six. You know, it's it's a lot of like that. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I'll, I'll say this to Jody's point, um, you know, 
I agree with Jody at some point, though. Somebody's going to get, hey, this is ridiculous. Because the fans are going to, the fans are going to, at some point, you're going to get that game where there's a, a big market team and the, 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 the fans travel well and then they get moved. And it might be the Eagles whose hotel things are booked and you get these people riled up that said, you know, I spent my paycheck on this game. But you there's got a lot certain of teams, I'll say there's certain teams, the Eagles among them, they're not going to move for that reason. They're relevant. They're, even if they're having well, a little now, bit right. of autism, Dallas would be. Well, I will say this, team. John. I would say this. They might move the Eagles from an afternoon game to a night game where oh, they're sure. at 1 o'clock sure. Sunday game and they get, hey, we want Eagles on Monday night football. And you have to go from a Sunday one to a to well, a. Oh yeah, that's and- more likely that way. But to Jody's point, here's what I'll say: if if some owners going to be upset down the road about being moved because you know they become a laughing stock, I think that takes care of yourself. If you're getting moved, you're already a laughing stock because that means your team is awful. That means your team is awful. They're not moving them if the team is relevant. So yeah, I don't. I don't, right. I don't John, think John, isn't it an additional spit in the face? Anybody can look up the standings. And if you're three and 10, you're three and 10. And there's no way around that. And you've reached laughing stock status. But if in addition to that, a network stands up and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah you go back and play it Monday. At yeah, but I, I, I would play in devil's advocate. I would say, you know, because some of these owners, let's be honest, there's owners and Philadelphia fans are lucky enough to have a, a very good owner who try to win. And there are other owners that it's not as important. And maybe that makes them on to be a Doesn't Jerry Jones try to win every single year? When was the last time he won? Yeah, but Dallas is not in this conversation. because You can make a case that if you're uh, 3 and 10, that you don't want to be on prime time because you want to lower your level of of visibility. Because you're already a laughing stock. That's my point. But Jerry's, yeah, Jerry tries to win Jerry hasn't won that's a different discussion but Dallas is relevant and that'll piss Eagles fans off but Mike's right Dallas is number one Dallas is number one over Philadelphia Dallas is number one over Kansas City you can argue it it shouldn't be that way you can argue to the hills come home it is that way I can't even explain why it is that way but it's so ingrained in America as a society the Cowboys are the Cowboys. I'm sorry. They are. There are certain teams, the New York Yankees, well, Los Angeles Lakers. It shows the us Cowboys one thing. are that team in the NFL. I'm it shows sorry. us one thing, that branding works. So if you want to advertise, that would be a example 1A of why branding works. The Cowboys haven't been relevant in many people's lifetime, and yet they are the number one draw on television because people are basically sheep. Mm, yeah, uh, I agree with that. They're irrelevant when it comes to championship runs, but they're absolutely relevant when it comes to interest and in being able to move because of the branding. They've been branded as such. Of this is America's team, and that's the branding aspect. That you're right, Jody, but that's what I'm talking about. They haven't been relevant in terms of championships. They haven't won right. a title since '95. They haven't yeah. been to a, 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 yeah. a NFC championship game in in most. I, I used to, you know, I'd do the show with a guy who was, you know, a couple guys younger than me in their 30s. And the, the comment they make is, is I'm 46, okay? The guys in their 30s have never seen, never, you're 30 years old. You've never seen a championship level NFC championship game Cowboys team. Think about that. 
Never. If you're in your 30s, you've never seen them make that game. Very yeah. true. Uh, but they are, uh, and again, uh, we're getting into semantical debate here. There are some owners, Jerry Jones not being one of them, that was, as John pointed out, take that relevance. As long as I'm making money, as long as I'm uh, being profitable, yeah, why do I want to need that? Why do I have to go to the Super Bowl? I got to pay for everybody to get out there to the Super Bowl? Just tell me what the bottom line is doing these days. There are some owners like that, that but I think there are many more owners that are driven to be good and put the uh, needs of their fans out there above and beyond. They, 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 there's a couple in every group uh, that are both good and bad in that way. All right, so Eagles schedule. Uh, with five prime time games, don't know when exactly they're going to fall and the like. They are the defending champions of the NFC. Will the schedule makers in any way give deference to the Eagles? Is it all decided by branding, Mike? Who brands the best? And that's how we're going to lay out the schedule? Or do they actually look at, yeah, this is a really good team that we should be showing respect to by how we schedule them? Well, you know, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of the executives, Dallas is the first draw. Philadelphia, Kansas City on the AFC side. Philadelphia is that next tier. So, yes, you're going to get, you know, I think – we laugh all the time. <laughs> I love John's Twitter responses now. Somebody gets released, no. <laughs> you know, anybody who has a mediocre level name that any Eagles fan has recognized, when he gets released from a team, John's first answer is no. Because the Eagles I, fans, I put a gotta, hashtag on it, too. We got to go get that guy. You know, I've heard of him. I've actually heard of this guy. Let's go get him. Uh, the Eagles are a team that the executives know have a very passionate fan base. So they're going to get the deference of, we want you in our best games. Now, I think a lot of Eagles fans, I- I'm just spitballing here, like the Sunday 1 o'clock game. I would imagine don't get prepared for too many Sunday 1 o'clock games this year. I think you're going to be looking at – crushing me, Mike. Crushing me. You're going to be looking at six primetime games. Now, whether they think Amazon Friday is a primetime game, if not – you're going to get a – you might get a, a, a seventh game on a weird day. You, you could get a Christmas night game. And I would imagine you're going to get a stock load of, of Fox 425. So, yeah, Jody, the branding – because, look, Pittsburgh's not all that good. They're about a mediocre team. They still are a draw. I don't know what they're going to do with Green Bay with, with love now. The Jets might be a team – that yes. now you get the New York market is Justin Fields. You know, there's a lot of buzz about him. Is that enough to draw the Bears into some, I don't want to say primetime games, but maybe some better slots? Uh, so, yeah, I think the Eagles, to go back to the original point, the branding, it's the whole thing for them. My point about the free agency is <laughs> every time there's a free agent, Vegas does what? The Eagles have the best odds to get that player. No, they don't. They just know Eagle fans are so passionate that they'll bet on it. So yeah. the Eagles' branding is there, and they will get a slot of games at it, times. It, again, and we're getting into semantical debates here, but you're using the word branding. I don't think it's branding for the Eagles. I think it's that the Eagles are really good. I think let's it's back both. it, let's I back think it's it both. up. Well, okay, then I'll ask both of you guys. Carson Wentz gets traded. The Eagles go 4-11-1. Are you telling me, hey, we got to get the Eagles in primetime because they're the Eagles. They're the well-branded Eagles. 
No, they weren't. Because the Eagles branding, you know what the Eagles branding is? We went to the Super Bowl last year. We went 14-3 and last year. We lost at the last second of the last game last year. That's their branding. They are that good a football team. That's not branding because the Dallas Cowboys can't make that argument, but yet they're still the number one draw. That's actual branding. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I guess the part of the branding aspect is is the division, the NFC, because you're going to get Eagles-Giants in a, in, on a Monday night football game, generally, you'll get them. And they're not, even if they're not the big, as we saw a couple of years ago, the Eagles played the Giants on Monday night. They played Washington in that famous Sunday, uh, Monday night game where they tanked the game and ended up with Devonta Smith and everybody else because they lost that one game. But that wasn't because you had two great teams. That was because, so I guess more of the, 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 the NFC East has the branding and Dallas is at the top of that list as a standalone. Yeah. And look, even Dallas has to be somewhat relevant. The thing about Dallas is they're always kind of good. They just never live up to expectations, probably because people overrate them uh, each and every year. But they're not terrible. If you're three and thirteen, even Dallas, when they're one and fifteen, you can go back and check. They weren't clamoring to put them on, uh, you know, uh, primetime. Uh, situations when you're that bad but so it's both uh to to your question jody that would be interesting though john the cowboys went one in 15 but then won multiple super bowls after that yeah yeah if they were a team that was so bad would the networks say i don't care they're two and 12 i'll still put them on or would they finally say you know what we don't want a two and 12 game if you're that bad that'll be interesting yeah if you're that bad, they're but not. John's right. They haven't been that bad. No, no. Yeah. they haven't been championship contender worthy, but they haven't fallen to the dregs. Well, they've been championship contender wins. worthy. They've just been disappointing in those yeah. games. But they've always they're on this run where they have they're they're a playoff threat, and and yeah. and that so it's it's both. You you need to be kind of good. And you need to have the the branding aspect of which the Cowboys obviously have. The Eagles, look, everybody knows how passionate Eagles fans are. When they're in, when their games are meaningful, they're going to draw big from a television perspective. And I don't mean like last year when it was, you know, they're fourteen and one with Jalen Hurts, and it's clear they're a Super Bowl contender. I mean, if you go back to the year prior and they're just fighting for a playoff berth. Those games are relevant because Eagles fans are so are so passionate. Well, so I think it's. Yeah, both. You, do you think to, on a national level, John? I think yeah, I think it's. Well, both. let's be honest. Even if not as much, night, but I if think it was Monday Night Football and you put Jacksonville and Tennessee on there, people are still watching it. It might not. It yeah. might be instead of twelve million, you might get eight million. But in today's TV landscape. Eight million people is more than anybody watching anything for the whole week combined. All right, yeah, but yeah. they're not comparing that eight million that they do in uh, a bad Monday night matchup against CSI. They're comparing it against the good Monday night matchup with two yeah. good teams who do oh, three million more viewers per. It all depends a couple on years ago. We we talked about this a couple years ago. Um, those Thursday night games were bad games. They were giving us some bad games. And I think people said, if you're going to give me a bad game just because it's Thursday night, I'm not watching it. So they've tried to beef up these Thursday night games and give you a little bit more. But John's point, too, is 
there's so much parity that almost any game you get is going to have some implications. Heck, the Eagles had like four wins in week 15 a couple of years ago when they were still alive <laughs> because the NFC East was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so because of the parity, you're going to get a lot of late season games that have meaning for at least one of the teams involved in the game. Hey, you know, the, the Bears are out, but, you know, their longtime rival, the Vikings, they need this game to make, you know, so there's very few games in today's NFL where you have two teams playing that are completely out of the mix. Yeah, and those are the only disaster games, really. When you're late in the season, two games completely out of it, people are going to watch good teams. You know, I remember Pittsburgh-Seattle was the Super Bowl. I said, you know what? This this is not compelling uh, from a traditional standpoint. Um, if the ratings are ever going to take a hit for the Super Bowl, it's going to be Pittsburgh-Seattle. Didn't take a hit. People are going to watch good teams. Um, doesn't matter who they are. Um, now, there's a little bit more oomph when it's Dallas. There's a little bit more oomph when it's Green Bay. I would say Green Bay is number two, by the way. Everybody else, it sort of slides um, with how good they are. You know, Kansas City's great. So now... You know, in the Romeo Cornell years, trust me, nobody wanted to look at Kansas City. Right. Um, same thing with the Eagles. Very, very passionate. Uh, but if you go back to the, you know, really dark days, nobody cared about the Eagles. I, I think it's Dallas, it's Green Bay, and it's kind of everybody else. And everybody else, the the impactful teams are the good teams. So yeah, it kinda... well, it's funny because in football they tried so hard to get a team in LA. Now they have two teams, but the New York and LA are not like these powerful draws like they are, you know, with the Yankees or maybe the Knicks when they're really good. It seems like they are like the Giants don't feel like they are on the same. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but like I don't think the NFL well, is were. Like, no, oh, I don't think you're wrong. But when they're relevant, they're huge but they haven't been relevant. They've gone through a really, really bad stretch and they started to. You know, in the Super Bowl years though, when they won those two Super Bowl, they were nine and seven the one year they won the Super Bowl. So it's not like, Hey, we have to have this team on television. And Oh, by the way, the jets have been irrelevant yeah. for my lifetime. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. Uh, but that's a whole nother story. Um, I, I got a question, non-schedule related, and I'm going to ask you both. Although I don't really think John has to answer because I can predict what his hashtag will be, what his answer will be. Hashtag no. Um, Mike Gill, should Howie Roseman be attempting to sign the punt god today? I mean, this is a one where they would do a lot of due diligence, I'm imagining. Um, if he's completely cleared, and the, this is one of those things, you know. You go back to Michael Vick when the Eagles signed him. People went up in arms. I'm never going to buy tickets again. <laughs> and people bought tickets again. He was penalized for something. He served his penalty. If the league is saying you are welcomed back into our league, then sure. I mean, this is a situation where they need that position. The league is saying he's eligible to play. Then you deal with the the, the press afterwards, um, if there is any press. I mean, the guy was completely absolved. He was, apparently wasn't even there 
this which opens up a whole nother uh, can of problems that, that we've got. But yeah, any of these things, look, you as a fan can judge for yourself whether you want to support the team because of that player. The Mike Vick thing, I think, was a clear thing that the fans will support. They might say they'll never buy a ticket again. You know how many people I heard that said they would never watch the Eagles again? Well, here they are watching the Eagles and probably were the first people in line to buy Super Bowl tickets. So you deal with the 48 hours of negativity if you get it, and then you move on. That's how you run your business. I mean, that's a business decision if you want to get into it. So they need that position. If they feel that's the right fit and the league is saying this man is now eligible to return to our league, you have to consider it. Yeah, um, I think the Eagles might consider it down the road. He's still got a civil lawsuit he's dealing with. I, yeah. I don't think they want any parts of that situation. Because remember, when people say, and I think it was Dan Wetzel, so I'll give Dan credit. Dan got the uh, transcript. Uh, it's about 200 pages. It's like a book of, of you know, essentially uh, the DA um, – you know, declining to to um, press charges. Um, and there's a lot of exculpatory evidence in there. Um, did have sex with the girl um, before he left the party. Um, that's in the transcript. Um, so there's going to be this he said, she said thing in uh, the civil suit. And I don't think until that's cleared up. Now, when when that's cleared up, I think, you know, if they still need a punter, I think maybe it's in play and they'll do their, and Jeffrey Lurie's proven, I say all the time, right? he has proven he will give people second chances. But until that civil lawsuit, because when, it, when, when a DA, a lot of people say he's been completely cleared. They, they declined to prosecute because they don't think they could win the case. That is not saying you're innocent. Their, their investigation is that once the alleged part uh, uh, of, of the rape occurred, he had left the party. And, and from their standpoint and their investigation, um, they said, hey, look, we can't, we can't win this case. We can't, and we're not going to prosecute this so, case. But it's still... Let me, let me get your stance on this, John. You're saying the NFL slash Roger Goodell should be more judgmental than a district attorney? No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm talking about the Eagles. I'm saying, I, I don't think the Eagles, I, as far as what Roger Goodell does, I mean, again, the problem with the NFL is there's no precedent to what they do. Sometimes they keep people on the commissioner's exemplist. Sometimes they don't. It usually has to do, to be honest, with the level of public scrutiny to be, you know, it usually has to do with that. They're trying to, um, keep the wolves at bay, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I can't speak to what Roger Goodell is going to do. My my perception of the Eagles is as long as that civil lawsuit is out there, they probably don't want to touch it because more could come out in that particular lawsuit. Remember, civil lawsuits are not criminal. There's not it, it's not uh, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. It's fifty one percent, fifty one versus forty nine. Mm -hmm. So it's much easier. And you could have a lot of mud thrown and right. it become worse from a public relations perspective. That's what I'm talking about. That's well, and that's why I I'm... said the Eagles probably having to do a whole heck of a lot more digging than just what we know now. They're probably going to have to ask a lot more because of that possibility. Hey, look, if it were me, I'd probably say, 
I don't want any part of this. You know, let somebody and else. That's deal where with I that. think they'll end up. Yeah. That's, but that's my guess. Pure speculation. But Big Dom is supposedly the best security guy in the, the entire National Football League. If you're going to depend on a guy that you have on your payroll that you think is great at what he does, wouldn't you send the bloodhound to well, this Big remember, Dom out and, to find out I, what's going hate, on? Because these are much bigger issues, but also realize it's a punter. You know, it's not a quarterback. It's not a. a, a How'd that chip is putting the Super Bowl go, John? I get it, but it's still a punter. It's still a punter. And that, they're not that wound is still fresh, John. At some point, I think Eagle fans could get back to, yeah, but it's just a punter. Not, not today. Not as long as we can see that punt being returned inside the red zone. It will the be, Super Bowl. It a will be interesting. More painful. It will be interesting, though, to see. You know, I, I, now he still is he suspended from the league, or did the Bills just release him? The Bills they just released him. him. So yeah, he's I eligible. I don't, I, I don't think he's not a part. I to. I don't know, Jody, if you remember. I don't think he's on the exempt list. I don't think anything. Right. Just there, was, there was reporting at the time that the NFL was about to take action against him and potentially suspend him and like it. The Bills beat him to it and released him yeah. ahead of time. So he's so not even NFL... a part of the league. So from their standpoint, they don't have to do anything, uh, which is what they like, <laughs> to be honest. Right. So if um, some team tried to sign yeah. him, then they they'd have to. to do so. Yeah. 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 They'd at least have to make a statement. They, If they don't feel that uh, any punishment is warranted, then he could just sign with whatever team. Um, I just want to see the, – the kid was so good in college. I don't know you, – if, you, if you, you, you read excerpts from the Wetzel column, right, John? You didn't read the whole 200 pages, did you? Because no, I sure as hell didn't. No, I – but his, his – uh... His his piece is very detailed. It explains the entire situation. And as he describes it, and I'll read it exactly, prosecutors in San Diego have now detailed their doubts about their allegations, about those allegations, and why Arrays and others won't be charged. So they have they can't win the case. They know they can't win the case. They have doubts. They're not going to prosecute the case. Now you you see it all over. And again, from a legal standpoint, people say, oh, he's innocent. He's been clear. That's not what that means. That means they can't win the case. They, right. they don't have enough evidence to win the case. There's still a civil lawsuit out there where you don't have to, again, prove beyond a reasonable doubt, which is much more difficult than winning a civil lawsuit. The, 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 um, the girl and, and her lawyer claim they're going to keep moving forward. There's going to be a lot of mudslinging back and forth. I just don't think the Eagles want to be a part of that. Right. Which, again, goes back to what we said before. The Eagles do their due diligence. I would imagine they say this is just not worth it for us. And it'd be interesting to see if any NFL team does because, yeah, I'll give you my yeah. stance right here right now. If I think the guy can help me, I'm going to sign him. If the Wetzel reporting is on point, whether there is an ongoing civil suit or not, if I think that the kid can help me win football games, I want him on my team because there is enough evidence here in my estimation to say these were un, uh, 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 just allegations and that's all there is to it. If you get your guy and we know who he is with the Eagles, big Dom to do his due diligence and they you come up and said, yeah, I, the, the prosecutors are right. They can't win this case. Don't know about a civil lawsuit, but 
yeah, I think the guy can help us win football games. If I were the Eagles or any other football team. By the way, breaking, Merry Christmas, week 16, 430, New York Giants versus Philadelphia Eagles. Christmas, they were playing. I got one right. Christmas, Merry Christmas, yeah. So the Christmas Eagles and Giants. Not which yesterday, um, well, that means Peter King had speculated no Black that the Eagles yeah. Giants could be the Black Friday game. That doesn't mean the Eagles still won't be the Black Friday game. It just appears it yes. won't be against it. Although that would be a month apart. I mean, yeah. you got the day after I Thanksgiving. I don't think they do two Giants games, but you never know. I mean, I don't think they do two well, Giants games. And Here's I said the one thing, and we've kind of touched on this, and Mike, we've kept you a long time. Promise to let you go in just a couple minutes. Here's one thing I don't know. And I think, Mike, you talked about the inner negotiations of the teams and the meetings with the guys, whatever else. You know who seems to be getting the short end of this stick? CBS and Fox. And I get it. They don't have these defined roles of CBS is AFC and Fox is NFC, but they still write the biggest check because they do the most games. More well, they so than NBC, which that. has one game. They- Amazon, which has one game. Disney, which has one game. CBS and Fox buy a whole weekend's worth of programming. And it seems to me with everything going this way, that way, and the other game, they're getting screwed on Sundays. Well, the the package that they paid for isn't worth what it once was. They do get to protect games. Like if somebody wants to take one from them, they can say, no, we're not giving you that game. And they get contractual obligations to the teams that they won for X amount. Like they can say, we want these five Cowboy games. You can't take them from us. So I think they still do have that power to something. The 425 Sunday game is the biggest time slot of the week. So that is technically the prime time game 425 Sunday has the biggest audience. So that is the big game. It's just not a standalone game. And that's why they like to get these games when there's only one game on at a time. But, you know, I think Fox and CBS, well, ESPN is writing a massive check for that Monday night game. And they're getting the short out of the stick because they've been getting lousy. Now the games are getting better as they've upgraded their broadcast team. So we'll see how that factors in to the schedule when it comes out. Are we going to see a better Monday night slate now in year number two of the Buck Aikman? If they got, if, if CBS and, and Fox can protect the games to the extent you're saying, which I think you're overstating, Mike, what the hell are you flexing to? If NBC's going to flex and ESPN's going to flex and Fox and CBS have put the blocks on so many games, what game are you going to? What's the major upgrade that you're going to? Uh, oh, again, it... it, it and this is where we were talking about before. All these games have some sort of meaning in them, generally. There's very few games where the two teams are completely out of it. So I we didn't see a lot of flexing last no, year. No, you know? it, it is. It, you, you, I think it gets more overblown than the actuality. I don't – you don't see a ton of it. And I think you're right because parity is a big part of it and, you know, the legal – say hey these teams are relevant you know, i think when up. they flex it's <laughs> a lot of times when they flex it's when they think a lower a smaller market team was going to be good and then they end up not being good and it's like hey i don't need cleveland tennessee i thought cleveland was going to be good they ended up not being good so let me get somebody different i don't think they're you know if you have a mediocre jets team because what for playing denver i don't think they're trying to get rid of them because you got the jets in there yeah at I mean, Mike Gill's show, 
Zach on Wilson's Twitter. playing quarterback instead of Aaron Rodgers. Well, then, then you might, Rodgers then you is, might. Oh, they'll be flexing out of that in a hurry. By I the way, I, I, I didn't ask about your T-shirt today. Is that Yale? Are we going Ivy League? Yeah, we got Yale. Uh, I've been yeah. to New Haven multiple times. Yeah. Fantastic pizza. Beautiful That's campus. Yeah. I've been to the campus twice, and I've been to um, the pizza on whatever street that is in New Haven. What, yeah, what's the name of that brick oven? They're phenomenal. Uh, they got Sally's Abitza is up there. Frank Pepe's is where I've been multiple Pepe. times. Um, bar is up there. They've got, if you're a pizza fan, you got to go to New Haven. I've been there a couple times and I stopped and got my Yale shirt yeah. when I took the People think you're a smart guy now at Mike Gill's show. I, ESPN, I, people Town now. Jersey. Believe it or not, you know, I do these beer reviews, okay? So people have been saying, oh, I, I watch your beer reviews all the time. You know, I'm very well known down here for my taste in IPAs. But my number two thing is, what T-shirt did you wear on the Birds 365 show this Yes. Week? All right. We, we got to get the number one, uh, like the Sports Bash afternoons in uh, South Jersey, two to six. Uh, listen to Mike there. Go talk about the Sixers this afternoon, something more relevant than schedules but uh hey the nfl's the king yeah big sixers win shocked by me big sixers win on the road against a team that i thought well, was better i'll bring my now i'll bring my i'll bring my negadelphia into it okay i'll ask you gentlemen the sixers won last night so now the scenario is this to win this series they would either have to a beat boston three times in a row or if they lose on Thursday to win the series, they would have to three win on the road. in Boston three times. Now they got to win game six. They're not winning a game seven. So All right. this is well, then they beat Boston three times in a row, something that was unthinkable at the beginning of the series. But maybe it is one of those years where the unthinkable is happening. Uh, Mike, go flex on the sports pass this afternoon. See, See you guys. There? Flexing. Get it? Uh even though he had the Yale shirt on, I'm thinking that went right over his head. He's a smart guy. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to proclaim, you know. People, yeah. you wear that layer. Oh, he went to Yale. Yeah, really? It's just as easy as putting on a t I'm a main guy in case one. Yeah. I got a main shirt on today. You don't have to be all that smart to go. I got there. a Harvard uh, sweatshirt. I stayed in Harvard. By the way, it was all, uh, NBA Finals, uh, Boston, Los Angeles. They put us up in... Uh, uh, right near Harvard. That's uh, beautiful there. Beautiful. Very nice. And John tried to fake it like Gil tried to fake it, that he belonged. And Nobody bought just, it, Jody. People Nobody just put their it. heads down and uh, shook their heads. Uh, McMullen and McDonald, we're coming back. Coming up next hour. Remember, we told you all week we're going to try and take a little deep dive in on the opponents on the Eagles schedule this week. Yesterday, we had Paul Schwartz from the New York Post to talk about Big Blues offseason today. We're headed down to the nation's capital to talk commanders with us, Grant Paulson from one oh what the hell is this station again? One oh six seven the fan down in DC. GP Grant Paulson joining us in less than fifteen minutes. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Johnny Mac and John McMullen here on Birds 365. How the hell did my shot get out of frame? I don't know. I don't know. I, that you got your green screen a uh, little discombobulated. I'll let you fix it. Uh, what the hell happened? By the way, Black Friday, Jody. Uh, official. Dolphins, Jets. 
Jody's Jets on, on Black, Black there, Friday. They got the Black Friday game. Black Friday, the A Rod effect uh, in in full effect. And by the way, it's also it is a night game. It's eight o'clock. So, um, Dolphins Jets. Well, that's not bad. A Friday ever, night eight o'clock game. First ever Black Friday game. I'll take that one. Um, in Miami or in uh, the Meadowlands? Uh, let me see. Jets home game. Miami versus. Oh, I can go. Yeah. Because uh, I can. No, I, uh, they already. It is. I'm sorry. Three o'clock. So it is a three o'clock game. Miami yeah, Jets at MetLife. Three o'clock. Black Black Friday football. All right. Well, that's that. Hey, I can I can uh, go to that game if it's a Jet home game. Um, that's one that uh, I can attend. Because see, I assume my uh, co-Jet fan, my daughter, will be off on Black Friday, and I drag her into work on Black <laughs> Friday. So, all right. Thank you for helping me make my plans, uh, John McMullen. Yeah. And I, by uh, the way, the Christmas Day game with the Eagles, bunch of media people getting divorced over that. I guarantee you that that happens every year. Christmas. Right. Everybody working on Christmas. Uh, and is that a home game or a road game for the Eagles? Home game. So at least we got that going for us. Lincoln right. Financial Field. And if it were the Giants, it'd That's be a doable game. You wouldn't have to get on a plane, but good yeah. luck on the Jersey Turnpike on that one. But uh, you don't even have to sweat it if it's an Eagle home game. All right, John. Um, I think it was Gannon this year. Maybe it was uh, Shane Steichen. It was one of the two coordinators uh, in one of the conversations they had about trying to uh, deceive the other team. And they used a specific phrase. I'm reaching here. You got to fill in the blanks for me here. But uh, the make it look like deception when it's not really deception. Uh, there was a very specific way they described it. And I thought it was a, a good turn of phrase but I just can't remember what it was exactly the way that it was stated. And I apologize for that. Um, I'm going to bring that out for a stance that was put forth yesterday around the NFL by the Ravens general manager, Eric DaCosta. Apparently he was doing a spot on the radio down there in Baltimore. And they asked him about Patrick queen, the linebacker. And he said, we consider Patrick queen, a pro bowl type player and we'd like to get a contract extension done with him. I am throwing the BS flag. I am telling you two and two does not come out to four here. He's putting two and two and trying to tell you that it's five. If he's a Pro Bowl level type player, why didn't you pick up the 50 year option on his contract? If you're a general manager and you have a Pro Bowl level position player, and you have the option of picking up a fifth-year option on a contract. Why the hell wouldn't you, if you believe, if you truly believed he was a Pro Bowl level player? Well, uh, I did read his comments, so he kind of explained that. Look, the the fifth-year option spikes pretty heavily. I kind of mentioned it a bunch of times. That there's a little bit of shift in the NFL, guys declining usually. In the past, when you would decline a fifth-year option, it was a death sentence. You were you were not going to be with that team. There were a bunch of players that they declined their fourth-year option um, and re-signed with their original teams, which hadn't happened before. So I think there is a shift. 
But as far as where I agree with you, and I'm going to throw the flag with you, um, if he's a Pro Bowl player for, and you're trying to work out an extension, the last thing you want to say is, oh, he's a Pro Bowl player. I mean, you're losing leverage uh, from that standpoint, trying to work out the best deal possible. You just keep your mouth shut. So by saying, oh, he's a Pro Bowl player, they're signaling to everybody else, oh, he's a Pro Bowl player, so you better step up and give us something of value. Ding, um, ding, ding, uh, ding. That's exactly where I'm going with this, John. Thank you very much for taking me there. This is not a negotiation with Patrick Queen. This is a negotiation with the 31 other teams in the National Football League that, yeah, we'll be willing. He'll be on the radio saying, we love the player. We think he's a Pro Bowl type player. Meanwhile, he's on the phone with the other 31 general managers going, we're willing to deal him, but you got to pay because he's a Pro Bowl level player. So we're going to ask for a significant amount in return. And oh, by the way, there is a perfect example of how not to do it with the Baltimore Ravens. Last year, you remember, here on Birds 365, you and I talked about it extensively. I was hoping the Philadelphia Eagles had an interest in Chuck Clark as a safety. Before Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was acquired, the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have, for my level of uh, excitement, their second starting safety. They just didn't have him on the roster. And I thought that Chuck Clark was an obtainable player. They spent the big money on Marcus Williams, who you continue to tell us, man, the Eagles really wanted Marcus Williams. The Ravens just went a little bit too high and got out of the Eagles' comfort zone, and they wouldn't have paid that much. But they negotiated hard to get him. So the Ravens got him, and the Ravens draft Kyle Hamilton as uh, the, the, uh, starting safety. Where does that leave Chuck Clark? Well, you know what it did? Last year, Chuck Clark led the Ravens uh, safeties and tackles. Career high, 101 uh, tackles as a part-time safety, as a rotational safety. They rotated all three of those guys last year, and Chuck Clark was still able to lead the Ravens in tackles from the linebacker position. He didn't lead the Ravens overall in tackles. That would be Patrick Queen, the guy who I want to see the Eagles uh, acquire. But you know what they got from the Jets for Chuck Clark? A future seventh. Not even a seventh, John. A future seventh. The Jets don't have to give up the pick. But here, here's where I'll say, here's where I'll say, and again, I've said, hey, I think the Eagles should make the call. Howie always makes the call, so he's going to make the call. Uh, but I think it starts on day three with the Eagles, and maybe it's two years down the road, whatever. You just brought up, they have signaled, and, and you bring up the safeties, good point, because what what did they do with, with signing Marcus Williams at $14 million a year and drafting Kyle Hamilton, who, by the way, was the top-ranked safety in football, per pro football focus. You and I loved him mm -hmm. coming into the draft. He's going to be a really good player. They signaled, these are our guys. And they are their guys. And ultimately, they ended up trading Chuck Clark. But they kept him. He played the whole year. Um, it, 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 the same thing could happen with Patrick Queen. But long term, because they have one more year with him, long term, they've signaled. They paid Roquan Smith a mint. They drafted a kid in the third round. That's not as big as a deal as drafting Kyle Hamilton 
as high as they did, but more the money for Roquan Smith. You're you're not paying that money for an off-ball linebacker, and oh by the way, paying Pro Bowl level money for a second off-ball linebacker. You're not doing it. You know, even the dumbest GM ain't buying that, Eric DaCosta. You might be trying. That's what I don't get about some GMs. You know, okay, you can fool fans. You can fool media. Who cares? You're not fooling the people that do it. They know. They know what the score is. They know what you did to get Roquan Smith. They know you can't pay two. They know. And certainly somebody like Howie Roseman knows. Right. So all he's going to do, Howie's going to say what I just said and said, look, dude, I mean, you're up, you you know, a certain type of creek. You're not paying this guy. Um, Do you want a day three pick? Maybe we can work something out. That's Here's here's why I don't think you can get him for a day three pick. If he plays to the level he played to last year, which was borderline Pro Bowl, not quite Pro Bowl, even though Eric DeGossa may call it Pro Bowl or whatever, you're going to get a compensatory pick for him anyway if he walks out the door. Are you telling me you think if he gets 111 tackles again next year, he's only going to be worth a a sixth-round pick? Remember the position. Remember the value. Remember how many guys get paid, which essentially was one. (laughs) I mean – uh, Roquan wasn't a free well, agent. What, what are the Eagles going to get as the compensatory pick for uh, uh, the linebacker they lost for the Bears? I think it was a six-rounder. Um, uh, six-rounder, I believe. Okay. Is... So, uh, and, and that's all speculatory because they haven't said it yet. Um, but then why would you make a trade for a guy for – a fourth-round pick if you're going to get six, and you get to keep him for the year and benefit from his playing all year. There has huh. to be an increase on what you think the compensatory pick would be to give up the, the services of the player for a year. Uh, four, uh, Tr- Tremaine Edmonds, I'm just looking it up, got four years, $72 million, $18 million a year, average annual value. Number two, Alex Anzalone. Three years, eighteen million. Boy, did Detroit! I'm starting to sour on Detroit. Um, actually, from um, it, it, Eric Kendricks got a decent deal, two years. That's probably a bad deal. Six, six point six. One line, one off ball linebacker got paid extensive money, extensive, extensive money. Um, and again, we've criticized both. I've criticized Chicago for doing that. Um, yeah, I, I don't, the compensatory part of it. And remember also, I think people forget about compensatory picks. The Eagles had a plan this year. They knew they were going to lose a bunch of players. Um, they didn't want to, they went out and signed these, uh, uh, you know, one year prove it deals to make sure they wouldn't affect their potential compensatory picks for people like Javon Hargrave and et cetera. And they're going to get four of them. Um, That was part of their plan. Now, next year, they might want to gain players. They might want to sign a player or two. The plan is not necessarily going to be the, the, the same. So the assumption that somebody's going to sign somewhere else and you're automatically going to get a compensatory pick 
is not the case. It involves how many how many gains versus how many losses. Then it's by by contract size. The Eagles' entire plan this offseason was to make sure they got those four compensatory picks. That was that was part of their plan. Howie's very good at that stuff. I I don't think that's going to be the plan next year. Certainly not to that degree. Um, so that factors into it as well. But my larger point to it all, Jody, is I don't think Eric DeCosta's got a lot of leverage, especially with smart general managers, and I consider Howie in that category. Um, and I think he's trying to create it for the dumb general managers, and that's not going to be the Well, I, we agree on that. I think he's trying to create it for the dumb general managers, which <clears> there <throat> just aren't as many dumb general managers as there once were. So I, I saw it through his attempt to build the player's value up and laughed at it. But I think the value is inherent in the way that he plays. I don't think you're going to be able to steal Patrick Queen because I think he's too good a player. And whether it's your plan or not, whether you're going to let him walk after a year and then you're going to get the compensatory pick because you traded for him or you love the player and you sign him to an extension, it's he's a good player. He's a very good player. And I don't think the... Uh, Ravens will just give him away for a day two pick. Well, when that's they can why just hold on it, it, to him it, it, and get it, a day two pick and have him on the team this year. And that's why he'll probably be on the team this year. And they'll probably let yeah, him walk. I, as I just said, they went down that road with Chuck Clark. They said, oh, we can keep him on the team this year and then we'll be able to trade. And you ended up trading him for a seventh. So I think that, and Chuck Clark uh, was coming off an 80 tackle season rather than compared to an 111 tackle season like Patrick Queen had. Um, I, I think he's going to get a day two pick. I do uh, a day two pick. Not I think for, well, I'll say one. this, not from the Eagles. Uh, yeah, but God, well, then God I would speed. suggest that that would be a mistake by the Eagles because I think they're under if they get it the from position. somebody else, but they ain't getting it from the Eagles. Well, just because uh, Howie Roseman is right now a red-hot general manager who gets all the praise in the world, all the props in the world for the season he had. He did give up a fourth-round pick for the pass rusher from uh, Chicago, right? Uh, he did. Okay, Day three so, pick. So Howie pick. Roseman is capable of making a mistake. And I would say if they start the two guys that they have as of right now, it's starting linebacker. They're one linebacker short. I think Nicobe's going to have a breakout year. But if, if you're saying, John, if you're saying – me and Howie Roseman are back in Nicholas Morrow. I'll take it your word, but I, I won't be joining. Well, that's not what I said. I said he's not giving up a day two pick for Patrick Queen. He might give up a day two pick for an edge rusher, but he doesn't need one now. Remember positional value. And a fourth round pick, which was a mistake, is a day three pick. All right. So, again, we'll try this one more time. And Grant Paulson's going to join us uh, from 1067, the fan down in D.C. in just a second. Not asking you what Howie Roseman would do. I'm asking you would, what John McMullen would do if he were the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. You would not give up a day two pick for Patrick, Patrick no. Queen. Well, you think he's a much better player than I yeah, do. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I mean, he, he had two bad years. And then he had a breakthrough year. Um, and he was not near a Pro Bowl player as Eric DeCosta. He was good. He was good. He was solid. But he hasn't lived up to his reputation coming out of college. Um, so, number one, I don't think of him as a player that you do at the same level. 
I think he's fine. I think he'd be certainly the best linebacker on this team walking in the door. Uh, we'll see if Nicobe well, can. Then how do you not that. give up a third round pick for the best? Because he's not worth the third round pick. There's, there's, you know, the Eagles, their lone weakness, with all due respect to Peter King, who says they have no weakness. No, they do have a weakness. It's off ball linebacker. But that doesn't mean you just overpay because you, you know, that's what how he always says in the draft. We're not drafting for need. We're not drafting for need. We're not. When you do that, you make mistakes. You're more susceptible to making mistakes. He'll get, it might be CJ Gardner Johnson at linebacker, somebody like that on August 30th. He'll add a body. I can't tell you who. I can't tell you when. He'll add a body. But he's not going to overpay just because he's got a need on, what's today's date? May 10th. Will that body be Eric Wilson-like? That's the point I'm trying oh, to make. Just yeah. You can always say he'll add a body. but He's already got Eric Wilson-like. That's to... Nicholas Morrow. He's already got Eric Wilson. Well, then, so they don't need to add that body. Which is it? They need to add the body or they don't need to add the body? Now, they need to add a better body than Nicholas Morrow. And I think they will. And his name is Patrick uh, Queen, and you can get him from the Ravens for a third-round pick, and it's something Howard Roseman should be looking into. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. Our buddy Grant Paulson for 106.7 The Fan down in D.C. Going to tell us how this offseason's been going for the Commanders. He's next here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds Eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. 
So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 1067 down the fan. We're doing a drop in on all the divisional rival for the Eagles since it is scheduled release week, and we will see the Commanders twice. And don't forget, Eagles, that's uh, the Commanders were one of the only three teams until the Super Bowl stuck an L on the Eagles. They came to Philadelphia and won last year. Grant Paulson talks Redskin football all the time on 1067 the fan down there in DC. So, how's your offseason gone, Grant? It's going well for me. Better, I would say, maybe than what I was hoping Washington's was going to shape up to be. They they just haven't been that active. You know, you finish the way that they did. You're going into the fourth year of a regime with Ron Rivera and this front office he put together. He runs the whole thing in a coach-centric approach. He's the GM, the VP (laughs) football ops. But they've got a GM in Martin Mayhew, and they've got a higher up in Marty Herney, who came over with Rivera from Carolina. And I kind of thought they would be making moves as if their jobs depended on it because they're going into a got-to-have-it-show-me season. And it's been very quiet and, and conservative, and that's just that's what this front office is. They're not, they're not an aggressive bunch. <laughs> By the way, Grant, before we get it, I want to congratulate you. I was on uh, Barrett Sports Media, uh, and number one in the time oh. slot, 2 to 6.30, Grant and Danny – any, I don't think there's any truth to the rumors that my two appearances put you over the top last year. But uh. well, we saw a spike. We did when we went back and we looked at the segments. We did see yeah. a spike. In but the congratulations! Oh, Thank uh, you very much. Congratulations on that. Now, from Washington's perspective, I want I want to talk about the quarterback room because I thought you tweeted something interesting there. But before I get there, we got to talk about Josh Harris and. You know, obviously we're familiar with him here in Philadelphia from the 76ers, but um, it's a more complicated deal from all reports than typical uh, with these NFL uh, sort of ownership changes. You know, the Walton family, uh, David Tepper, financially well-heeled, a lot of debt in this particular. And, And we all know in Washington they want to get away from Daniel Snyder. Any way the wheels fall off of this thing, do you think? It doesn't look like it. I mean, the NFL's really aggressively trying to make it happen. The timeline's been expedited. And all signs have pointed to Dan Selling for an extended period of time. They cleared out their offices. They haven't been around the facility. He stopped going to games at the end of the season, which is you know, just hard to fathom considering how involved and overly involved he's been through the years. Um, not only are they not at the facility, they're, they're rarely in the country. And I say they, meaning him and his wife yeah, at this point. Yeah. Uh, they've got a place in London. And, you know, we've got f- fans that track their jets daily and they're constantly in Europe and, and never really around uh, not only Northern Virginia, but uh, where the team trains. But they're, they're rarely in America. 
Uh, you add all that up and, and the fact that for the first time, and, and I can remember, I mean, he was completely not involved during the draft. Like, not only not in the draft room, but he wasn't even on a video call from his yacht. It, it, it appears like he is done and he is out. So then the question is not necessarily if someone's buying this team, but when you know, the only legitimate suitor at this point at the $6 billion threshold, as you've mentioned, is a team of people led by Josh Harris. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of billionaires. I think this is the new way to buy teams because teams are just getting too expensive for yeah. individual people to buy. I mean, a year ago, you know, the, the Walmart folks, the Waltons, you know, they bought the Broncos for about four and a half billion. And that was kind of a new high water mark. And now you fast forward 13 months or whatever it's been, not even. And Washington's going to be sold for a little over $6 billion, yeah. a record in North America for a team. So there's only a, a, a very small number of people who can afford to buy a team by themselves at $6 billion. When David Tepper bought Carolina, it was very rich. That was only a handful of years ago. It was a $2 billion purchase. You know, we're at yep. three times that. You need to have 30% of the money liquid to be able to basically like a down payment on your house. So it's, it's really, really hard for one person, even very rich people, unless Elon Musk. Or, I was going to say, you got Bezos and you got yeah, Musk. Jeff Be- and then that's Jeff it. Bezos. It's a yeah. combination. It's tag team efforts from there on in, Greg. There's, there's a handful of people, right, in the country. Uh, all the names that we talk about all the time of the richest people. So what's going to happen now is, long story short, your your Josh Harris types, who's worth six billion dollars himself, is going to get a a someone to go in with him. In this case, it's a guy named Mitchell Rails, who's got DC ties, who's worth about six billion as well. And then they've got a team of about thirteen or so other people. I mean, this is between a fifteen and eighteen person ownership group. Harris is going to own the minimum allowed to be a majority owner at thirty percent. So I think people hear majority owner, they think. He owes 51% of the team. Yeah. He'll own 30% of the team. Uh, Mitchell Rails will own 12%. And Magic Johnson's the third biggest bidder here, believe it or not, which is just awesome for a former athlete to have done so well and such a cool thing. He's going to own 4% of this team. So the three of those guys, it's known as the Harris Rails Magic Group, still only own 46%. The other 54% are coming from these (laughs) other people. We've heard a name. Um, of a guy who's worth $12 billion. We've heard the, the former CEO of Google who's worth $20 billion uh, are involved in this. So it's. I think it's going to happen. I think there's going to be major movement here before the end of the month at the owners' meetings when they get back together in Phoenix. Uh, and, and then we'll see kind of when everything goes final. But my guess is Josh Harris has taken over ownership of this team, certainly before the start of the season. All right, so you're on record as saying you're a little disappointed in this offseason because – they haven't done much. They haven't been aggressive. It may be handicapped because of the ongoing sale. Uh, when are they going to get to a point where they, all right, new ownership's in place. Now we can go forward. Now we can get it. Now we can try and get the team better. It's not happening before the year starts, is it, Grant? No, it doesn't look like it. Not this offseason. I will say I don't believe they were that influenced in their player acquisition this offseason. By the sale. I really don't. Uh, when they wanted to do things, they did it. You know, they re-signed Deron Payne for over $20 million a year, their defensive tackle at 11 sacks last year. That's a massive commitment. That was a, a contract that goes for the next few seasons. If they were hindered or not allowed to spend, or if Dan Snyder was saying, I'm not adding any money to my bottom line, 
pretty easily, you know, they could have not been able to do that. What they did, and there was a report, and I thought this was interesting, on that deal and some of the free agency deals that they signed, they committed to paying signing bonuses rather than in the first 30 days, which is the normal way of the league, to doing it down the road, like a few months later. And I think they did that because they're going to have the new owners make those payments and not Dan Snyder, very likely. Um, So that's one way they got around it. But here's the deal, Jody Mack. You and I have talked mostly baseball for a lot of years and and, and now a lot of others. I just don't see ball the same way these guys do. I just don't. Doesn't mean I'm smarter. They're smarter than I am. They're a GM. They're they're you know a team vice president, whatever. I'm not telling you I'm smarter, but we look at you know a, a picture and we see two different things. I believe in today's NFL, you need to be aggressive. You need to be willing to make moves. You need to. Uh, this is not a, a. We're not cooking with crockpots anymore. You know we are cooking with microwaves in today's NFL. Howie Roseman during a draft says, "Hey, we got a pretty good group. I just drafted." Uh, Devonte Smith, or I got a chance to do this. I'm going to trade for AJ Brown anyway. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you're, you're, you got a, a decent running back room. You like, okay, but you're still going to go out and get sweat. These guys just don't do it that way. They, they are not the go get Matt Stafford, win the Super Bowl, land Tom Brady, win the Super Bowl front office. So I say all that to tell you that they rolled with Sam Howell at the beginning of the offseason, which I think stunned a lot of people. They meant it when they said they liked him. I've been screaming into a megaphone. They were going to keep him as their QB one national people just couldn't believe it, but that was always going to happen. What I did think though, is because he is the, I think it's like the 63rd highest paid quarterback in the league this year. (laughs) They were going to invest more money in their offensive line. And they kind of went cheap with their offensive line upgrades. They didn't do enough. I thought maybe they'd go out of tight end and spend some money. They didn't do that. Uh, so they they spent a lot on their D-line again and re-upping with Deron Payne. They, they brought in a, a very mediocre free agent class. They have a new linebacker, kind of a downgrade at the linebacker position. And, and like I heard you guys talking about the Eagles, they kind of devalue off-ball linebacker. They use two at a time. They're mostly going to use five DBs, which is the way of the league now. So teams just don't spend or use the same uh, on linebacker as they used to. So they went and got Cody Barton for $3 bucks from Seattle. Uh, they brought in Nick Gates from the Giants, who's bounced around center and guard. He's going to start at center for them. Uh, they, they signed Andrew Wiley, who gave up nine sacks last year for the Chiefs, started in the Super Bowl. He's probably going to be their right tackle. And frankly, they're hoping that, that the upgrade of going to Sam Howell from Taylor Heineke and the upgrade of going to Eric Bieniemy from Scott Turner, an offensive coordinator, are, are going to basically get them over the top in terms of improving this year. Um, I, you know, you mentioned, and I agree with you, Grant, for the most part, you got to be a little bit more aggressive. I, I guess there's been sort of a, uh, you guys talk baseball a lot more of a baseball basketball mentality with the newer GMs to be more willing to, to go outside the box, go back 20 years ago. It was so everybody was so traditional. They didn't want to hear about trades or anything of that nature. The game's changed a lot. What would have been splashy and was getting Andrew Luck to come out of retirement. Where the heck did that come from? (laughs) Yeah, how about that? And that wasn't even based on a report of of this offseason, obviously. That was a year ago. Yeah. Um, So I, I think what happened on that is they were trying at the time one year ago to make it known that they were overturning every stone. And essentially, they wanted people to know how hard they were working. 
So they would say things like, we've contacted all 31 teams trying to trade for quarterbacks, which A, is probably not true because it's a waste of time to call the Chiefs and ask if Patrick Mahomes is available. Yeah. B, if you did that, that's stupid. Uh, Let's face it. You should just call the teams that have guys that are fits. And so, but they kept saying, and it kept being reported via ESPN last year, they're contacting all 31 teams. And I think as part of trying to, you know, show their work and prove how hard they were working to get a quarterback. And they eventually, as you guys well know in Philly, settled on Carson Wentz and made the trade and gave up two third round picks for him. It would have been one second round pick as well. uh, Had he not have gotten hurt and missed time last year. They said, we even reached out on Andrew Luck. And I think it was lost in translation and the reporting, perhaps. And a buddy of mine who's very, very good did the reporting. But it, it was originally written, it sounds like, as they called Andrew Luck. I don't believe they actually called Andrew Luck, from what I can gather, or even Luck's agent. I think they probably asked the Colts or asked around, is Andrew Luck interested in playing football again? If he is, is he interested in leaving Indianapolis? And I'll bet that conversation was a few seconds long. So, look, the NFL's maybe going to look into it. The the uh, Colts want them to. I just don't think anything's going to come out of that. All right. So, this offseason, not as many phone calls because they committed themselves to Sam Howell as QB1, <laughs> but they brought in QB2, Jacoby Brissett, and if Powell doesn't look great in camp, because they were as committed to Howell as they were to the offseason, how slow or quick will be the decision? Yeah, no, our backup is better than our starting quarterback. How how, how would the process of moving from your young, we believe in this kid, despite the fact that nobody else does, QB, to the been around the block, been with a bunch of teams, isn't really great, but isn't bad either. How does that quarterback con- decision come down this year? So there's two answers here. I think there's how they think, and then there's what I I think. So let's go with them first. I mean, I, I do believe my co-host for the record fears that they're going to have a very quick leash for Sam Howell and that Jacoby Brissett's going to start more games this year. I think that's outrageous. And I don't believe that at all. I think the leash will be pretty long. I mean, you essentially are starting a rookie and it's a rookie. They like that has some upside. I think he's going to get some wiggle room and they'll go to Brissett if, and when, um, how proves that he definitively can't do it. I think it's going to take, you know, really bad interceptions, not seeing the field. You know, they've lost three or four in a row because of quarterback play, not because the team's losing, but because he is uh, holding them back in a detriment. It's going to take Eric Bieniemy going into Ron Rivera's office and saying, this guy's got to be benched. I can't do this anymore. I really don't think that's that realistic, frankly. I believe personally, now this is my own thought, the only way Jacoby Brissett should start a game is if Sam Howell is hurt. Because I got to be honest with you, if I am taking over this team as an owner and I'm looking at Ron Rivera and Marty and Marty and Marty and Marty and Marty, the Marty party, uh, Herney and and Mayhew here. Mayhew, yeah. Yeah, and and they tell me, hey, we just finished our fourth season and, and we were by choice starting Jacoby Brissett then I would say, hey, that's awesome. Good for you guys. There's the door. Clean See out you. your office. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give me your key card. And, and it's not meant to be disrespectful to Jacoby Brissett. But, but think about what I just said. You have been here for four years, and you chose to not only bring in Brissett as the only competition for how, 
but then you chose to start him over how this career backup who is a low-end starter high-end backup he to me is a lot like a, i would say an upgrade from but similar to what they had in taylor heineke the last couple of years in terms of caliber of quarterback <clears throat> you should be out of that bucket at this point so that's their own decision you went and got him you played him that's fireable as far as i'm concerned in the fourth year of a regime barring winning like 10 games and being in the playoffs with him managing the game and, and i'll say Brissett to your point jody mack i mean he was at times, really good. And for the most part, very solid for the Browns last year. I think he's an excellent backup. He's the perfect fit. Yeah, but very good backup. Swim with Sam Howell. And for that reason, they better give him a long leash because the only way forward for them is if Sam Howell is the guy into 2024 and, and they ascended offensively and, and looked like a team that could be a playoff team. And, and honestly, a lot of people around here, and I agree with this, feel like to, to survive – this group needs to make the playoffs this year. All right, so let me let me give you a hypothetical, and thank you for letting me in, John. Um, Sam Howell gets out one and six. Sorry, it just doesn't work out, and they're a bad football team, and it looks like, uh-oh, we put our eggs in the wrong basket. They go to Jacoby Brissett, and he loses his first three games, and the commanders are one and nine. Is it Tankapalooza to get their hands on either – uh, the USC quarterback or the North Carolina quarterback? Would they even go back to North Carolina to get May after Sam Howell fit the bed this year? Um, how does the, the season play out if halfway through you've got one win and neither one of the quarterbacks are getting the job done? Yeah, I mean, that's the planes gone into the mountain stuff, right? Uh, at that point, yes. I mean, first of all, all, all the people we're talking about are out of their jobs at year's end. Right? <laughs> yes, um, yes. In fact, I mean, Rivera's probably... If, if they're in this hypothetical, you're saying like one in seven, one in eight or whatever, he's probably fired in season, I would imagine. Who would if be I'm, the coach? Who would they elevate on the staff if that were? Eric the enemy, baby. Yeah, probably. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the enemy. Good call, yeah. John. I, yeah. Probably the enemy, although I will tell you, I mean, he has the assistant head coach title. Jack Del Rio, their D coordinator, has been a head coach before. Yeah, true, too. You can yeah. argue has better results as a head coach than Rivera does in his career. And Del Rio, when Rivera was uh, dealing, unfortunately, with some cancer scares and things a couple of years ago, was the guy kind of running the building. Um, now, having said that, I, to get the enemy here, they had to give him the, the AHC title. So I would guess it would be the enemy. He'd get a shot. Don't sleep him. on Juan Castillo. I think he's down there, Grant. Yes, he uh, is. They, they move him around. He's Ron's buddy, kind of position to position, <laughs> whatever they need. That's um, a joke to Eagles fans, obviously. <laughs> Well, he is. He's very much here. He's coached both sides of the ball, I think, at this point. Tight ends and low line. He was the defensive coordinator here. Went from offensive line coach to defensive coordinator. Maybe Andy Reid's greatest mistake. uh, Yeah, well, Ron's still going to the well. But, um, yeah, so so long story short, we don't know a lot about Josh Harris here, but just looking at the the Philadelphia process, literally and figuratively – I would believe that he would have the vision, which this organization has lacked for a long time, to say, all right, this year is is lost. Like, let's try to – I don't care about this battle. We're losing this battle. Let's try to win the war. And to, to prioritize the future, people can say tanking, it's a negative connotation. It's just called roster building as far as I'm concerned. 
let's do what we got to do to be at the top of the draft board. So it doesn't mean players don't try, but yeah, you blow out some staff members and you play the young guys and you say, I don't care about the results right now. Let's make sure we're drafting at the top of the board. That would be, that would make a lot of sense. Do any of the three names that we've thrown out there, Castillo and uh, I was joking about Juan but, uh, half joking. and Ron Rivera. Do any of them have a relationship with Lovey Smith? That's what I would need to know. Because when you're trying to lose, you got to lose. And Lovey, shame on him, won that last game last year, which was uh, could have been costful uh, for the Texans. I think they got Stroud, the best player anyway. But uh, if you're going to go tank, you got to go all out tank. How will that go over with Commanders fans? Well, it'll go over real well if they're drafting first or second overall next year. And they're going to yeah. get one of the two quarterbacks that look like they're, uh, you know, franchise altering talents. And you don't know, right? I mean, both Caleb Williams and uh, Drake May could flop and, and could right. be mistakes. But this team just hasn't had enough bites at the apple at the top of the board, right? I mean, Sam Howell uh, was a fifth-round pick. The one guy that they hit on and found was Kirk Cousins. That was outside of the top 100. That was in the fourth round. But if you actually look at you know their attempts, their swings, if you will, getting into the batter's box and taking a rip for QBs, the only time since Heath Shuler in the mid-90s Heath that they Shuler, drafted yeah. a quarterback in the top five was Robert Griffin. Griffin. He won Rookie of the Year. Which was the same year same as Cousins, year as, right? uh, Cousins yeah. Yeah, same exactly. Cousins. And, and Griffin looked like he was on his way potentially to something. Now, that went sideways for a lot of reasons. Everyone just kind of blames the injury, which is a big part of it. Uh, the, the empowerment from, from Snyder to he and, and his father and – and kind of some infighting with the Shanahan regime. There was all kind of, that was rotten before it really uh, ended an injury. And I'm not sure how that would have ended even if everyone was healthy, but I say that to say like, they didn't completely miss on that pick. I mean, Griffin was an electrifying no, talent. So if they can get back to the season. top of the board. Like that's generally how you have your highest batting average to get this thing right. Right. Is, is doesn't mean it's a slam dunk. You know, sometimes it's good for a little while and bad as you guys saw with Carson Wentz, but the, the best chance to have success is to draft up high. And and I think they learned that the hard way. They took Chase Young second overall when they could have gone with Justin Herbert or uh, even Tua Tungabailoa, who bounced back and looked better last year. And I'm sure internally, if you gave them some truth serum, they regret that decision today as they yeah. didn't pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um you had mentioned about the quarterback room. I, I saw Grant and, you know, I think people have been very harsh uh, uh, because you mentioned Jacoby Brissett isn't uh, a top tier starter, but it's probably a top five backup. And I think you mentioned Sam Hopi in a fifth round pick. Jody and I talk about this all the time. Pedigree, pedigree, pedigree. He'll always be a fifth round pick now. He was once a top five potential pick and things went poorly, and all of a sudden he's forever, oh, he's a top, he's a fifth-round pick. He can never be anything. One of our frequent guests, Ed Kratz, he's the biggest Sam Howell fan in the world. Um, any feel is the, you know, is this real? Is, is the commander's belief in Sam Howell real or what we just talked about? And Jody and Josh Harris, as you mentioned, Josh will be willing to tank. Gone down is this about is this about the future or do they really believe 
Sam Howell could be a starting quarterback in this league. No, I, I think – I mean, look, Rivera doesn't get next year if Sam Howell stinks. So, I mean, with, with him, <laughs> with this group, I think they really believe in Howell. Now, the question is what changed? Why do you go at the end of the year from not thinking he's ready to start to all of a sudden naming him the starter two weeks later? I think they were that impressed and that blown away by what he provided and showed in his Week 18 game against Dallas, which is a dangerous way to eval, as you guys know. Uh, one game, small sample, 11 completions, 19 attempts. Like, come on. But they watched them all year. They saw the moxie in practice. They saw some of the things they liked. I, this is my guess based on connecting some dots. I think their offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, was not a big proponent of playing him. He is a Taylor Heineke guy. He was at the only coach in the league that was at Heineke's pro day at, at Old Dominion. Heineke was with him in Minnesota. Heineke was with him in Carolina. Heineke was with him here. He called and brought Heineke in as a COVID quarterback and eventually became a starter here. I think he wanted to go with Heineke. I think he you know, preferred him and wasn't a big Howell guy. And maybe he was one of the, the, the voices in Ron's ear saying, don't go with Sam Howell when fans wanted to see him late last year. Notice they fired Scott Turner as soon as the season ended and a few days later named Sam Howell the quarterback. So that is not – well, it could be a coincidence. It's not lost on me. I know Marty Herney has very loudly – advocated on his behalf all along has thought highly of him so i think their intrigue i'll call it i don't know if they love him i think their their fixation or or their curiosity is is real i think they were smitten by how he played uh that's number one number two specific to his skill set you know i've got to tell you i mean this team has been a tough club to play at times you guys saw it on monday night football last yeah with taylor heineke who is not good you know, Taylor Heineke is a misses throws. He lacks arm strength, but he's a, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful. I mean, he is a gamer. Players love playing for him. He's got that like Brett Farvian. I have fun while I play all shucks thing down. And Sam, Howell has some of that, like a lot of that, all those, those faders are probably equal with where they are. You could pot them up the same as with Heineke, but he's got more arm strength, but he's got more ability mobility but he's got more foot speed but he's got more athleticism and and so i say all that to say if this defense plays like it has the last couple years where they were essentially a 500 team when taylor heineke played over two years i don't see why he wouldn't be better than heineke to me his floor is what heineke was when they were a pain in the butt to play and they won a lot of 20 to 17 games and i think that's going to be their formula the big key is the big question is they, they need to protect the football And with a rookie-type QB in Sam Howell, I think there's a fear he'll turn it over a bunch. Now I'm here to tell you that Taylor Heineke last year had more turnover-worthy plays and a higher turnover-worthy play percentage on PFF than any quarterback in the league with a minimum of 100 attempts. So I don't think he's going to be worse than than Heineke was in that way. But Heineke was very, very lucky, rarely threw interception. I mean, he had more picks dropped than anyone I've ever seen in my life. And I just don't know if it's going to be. I, I can't forget that play where the referee ran into the defensive back. It was like a punt, and it ended up being the, a touchdown. I'll tell you what, John. That was that was the epitome of kind of. <laughs> I, I called it. People got so annoyed by this. I called it the Heineke horseshoe. Like he, he would just, and, and it sounds like I don't like the guy. I mean, I, I, it was a blast to watch him. It was a you know very much a will over skill kind of operation and a good story. But he would he would throw these balls that that were interceptions out of the hand, 
and it, it would be amazing how they wouldn't they just somehow wouldn't be caught or he he would he would close his eyes and throw a ball up and it would be completed for a first down to ice the game and it's like I don't understand how this is happening this defies everything I know about football but you know so my, my point in saying that is maybe Hal doesn't have the same um sounds funny analytically but like the the luck gene that he- yeah. the horseshoe that Heineke had and maybe there are more picks that get caught or whatever but I do think that Sam Howell, he's got a better arm. He's faster. He can run more. Uh, I think that's got to be a part of this offense, by the way. Um, I just think he's a better quarterback than what they had last year. Yeah, by by luck, by hook, by crook, he's going to throw more picks than Heineke. I'm guaranteeing it right yeah. now. Uh, last thing, uh, Grant, and again, thank you very much for jumping in with us today. Hypothetical. Leading up to the week of the NFL trade deadline, which – uh, the NFL has wisely moved back over the years. All three of us have been doing this long enough that we remember when the trade deadline was like end of September. You had like four weeks to make up your mind if you wanted to make a trade or not. Now they push it back into the middle of the season, so it has relevancy. Will Chase Young be dealt to another team? Will he be playing for that next contract for the commanders and stay through the season? Or will he be signed to a contract extension? We were just talking about Patrick Queen, a guy I want to see the Eagles try and go out and get. Uh, Third-year rookie, hasn't gotten the fifth-year option picked up. Same thing with Chase Young. What What's going to – how will the Chase Young situation play right up to the trade deadline this year? Yeah, I think he's – the only way he would get traded is if he becomes a, a malcontent behind the scenes and kind of wants to force his way out. And you don't him. think that's going to happen? He's not that kind of guy. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. I mean, I think they could be annoyed by him and, and kind of over him. Um, but, you know, the lack of production, a lot of barking. Um, th- this is the path to that. I'm not predicting this. Uh, but, you know, he it just not putting in the work that they want him to. Like, I, I could see that path to them being annoyed. But even then, I think you're still – you're not trading him for 40 cents on the dollar or whatever. So w- what I think is – They've tried to motivate him by not picking up this fifth-year option. I think a lot of people around the country were stunned by that. It was the biggest no-brainer ever, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, his rookie year was good. It was not spectacular. It was very, very solid. He had seven and a half sacks. He won the Rookie of the Year award defensively. Uh, but if you look at that year, there were not other quality rookie defenders. The guys that that got votes or were in the vicinity were like Jeremy Chin of the Panthers, who's completely fallen off you mentioned Patrick Queen who the Ravens didn't even pick up the fifth year option of um so there's not another year over the last 10 or 11 years that I found when I went back and looked at this where Chase Young would have won defensive rookie of the year again this is not meant to belittle Chase Young it is just information to say it was a really it was the 2020 pandemic rookie class it was not a productive rookie class defensively and he was a great beneficiary of that in a seven and a half sack season we're down the stretch. He did make some pretty big impact plays. But in Washington, I think people <laughs> talked themselves into that year being like this. He's on his way to, to being Lawrence Taylor. And it just wasn't quite that. The next year, almost immediately, Ron Rivera started talking about maturity, started talking about little things behind the scenes that, that kind of raise your antenna a little bit. Then there's, uh, you know, Chase Young's not coming to organize team activities. He's not coming to offseason work. He's asked about it in a press conference. He tells a reporter, I was getting my money, boss. You know, that didn't go over well because he was filming commercials and doing things. Now, all of a sudden, that's all fine. Go out there and kick butt. You know, go get 15 sacks. 
Uh, he had one and a half sack through nine yeah. games. He had, I think, three tackles for loss. He was completely uh, uh, not noticeable and ineffective. And then he tore his ACL, which is not his fault, and you feel bad for the kid. But, you know, whereas maybe you would have finished strong and your numbers would have been respectable, that didn't happen. So that was the end of year two. Year three was last year. The team expected him to be back a handful of weeks into the season and then thought for about a month straight every week on Wednesday he was going to play on Sunday, and he and he didn't. And it, it, it from what I can gather, based on in conversations I've had, it was and this is this is a reality. This is legit. But he he had a mental block about that knee and, and getting back on the field, and there were there was anxiety and nerves, and and that's part of the recovery. It's like physical and mental, right? But for about a month, they thought he would play, and then he didn't. And I say all that to tell you, instead of playing seven or eight games last season, he played three at the end of the year, yeah, yeah. and those three he didn't look like Chase Young. Now that's part of the rehab. You just got to get back out there and and plant and run and jump and. And it doesn't matter if you're productive. It's like pitching and walking people, you know, in the minor leagues before you, you get back in the show. But it, I, I, the point of all this is for two years, he has not been an impactful player. He has been the equivalent of a back of the roster kind of defensive end who's good against the run. And that doesn't get you paid in this league. So they couldn't have picked up that option in good faith. Nope. What happens now? They hope that he's terrorizes teams. They hope that he's livid and that he's working his butt off right now, and that a guy who was the face of his draft class and on every billboard in D.C. and one of the most hyped defensive prospects in years and on national commercials and in campaigns decides that he's taking this personally. And he goes out in a prove-it year to tell them bleep you, and he goes and gets you know, 14 and a half sacks, and, and then they feel like, guess what? Uh, he was right. We now what do we Yeah. Grant Paulson, we always appreciate whenever you jump in with us. Uh, you can catch him on Sirius XM's MLB Network on Sunday mornings for minors and majors. That's why you're Grant most often. Sorry, I don't uh, stream in the DC show, but uh, congrats on winning your time slot. And Johnny Mack gave you props earlier. Let me do the same. Let me ask you now if you will be available to us, to us during the year when the Commanders and Eagles play. You'll come on with us again, won't you, Grant? Of course, no doubt. We appreciate you coming on with us today. You know we'll be uh, asking again for later in the season. Thanks for doing it, big guy. Thanks, Grant. You got it. Good talking to you guys. Grant Paulson uh, from 106.7 The Fan down in D.C. All right, we're way over. Uh, Grant does that. He's just uh, so knowledgeable. And Grant's he, he awesome, man. Answers. Yeah. He is tremendous whenever he comes out. But we ran a little late, so hopefully you didn't have to be out the door at 10 o'clock. Thanks for staying with us. While you're still here, you get the like button. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac coming back to put a ball in the show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. 
So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. here tomorrow we wanted to get a uh off-season report on all three of the eagle divisional rivals we did giant yesterday with paul schwartz grant paulson today on the commanders tomorrow will be john machota our bud uh, from the athletic who covers the cowboys day in the day out all right leaking done for the day as far as schedule goes massive flow of information tomorrow eagles and giants on christmas the only thing that's Leaked out so far that's a given as far as the Eagles go, John? Only thing uh, official, Eagles-Giants, Christmas Day, uh, 4.30-ish, 4.30, I believe. Uh, so uh, make your Christmas plans now. And, oh, by the way, with the Sixers being up three games to two and this close to being in the Eastern Conference Finals, oh, yeah, they're going to be Christmas Day again as well. So plan on being in front of your TV all day on Christmas uh, this upcoming December. Uh, Jenny Mac, I say we do this again. I'm going to be here tomorrow. You in? I plan on it. Schedule day. It's here. McMullen and McDonald schedule us for 8 o'clock tomorrow morning right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel when we're back in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 
365. 